Hey, my name is Ryan McVitie, and I am the pastor of the River Worship. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. If you haven't heard about the river yet, it's an amazing move of God happening in the greater Toronto area. Yes, Toronto, Canada. It's a cold place, but we have warm hearts, and we love coming together every Tuesday night and worshiping the Lord with all we've got. We also get to dive into the Word, and that's where we're going to go right now. We're going to dive into the Word of God, and I trust and pray that it will impact you in a powerful way. If you're ever in the Toronto area, come visit us. We would love for you to worship with us together. But enjoy the message, and God bless you. Would you just lift your hands right now? I tell you this a lot of weeks. This, this isn't Pentecostal. This isn't Baptist. This is the universal sign of surrender. Some of us tonight, we just got to give the keys back to the maker. We've been trying all our own keys and they just haven't been fit in the lock. We got to give the key back to the maker. Would you pray with me? Keep those hands raised. Father God, we come before you tonight. This is a special occasion tonight. Not because it's a concert, not because there's a crowd, but because the Holy Spirit is here in our midst. God, you are as real as the air that we breathe. Lord, let tonight serve as a reminder to us that we are never alone, that we have a great comforter in your Holy Spirit, God. It's 2023, there are so many trials, so many tribulations, but there is still one that is greater than every trial, one that is greater than every tribulation. And God, tonight we say you are welcome here. Come rest on us. We are surrendering back over to you. In Jesus' mighty name, we said amen. Come on, say amen. It is so. Say amen. Amen, amen. Amen. Thank you, River team. Thank you. River, you can have a seat. We're going to get in the word of God for a few moments, but we got a lot of worship left, so don't go anywhere. We got a few songs left for you after, but it is Easter, and I got to talk to you a little bit about Easter. Um... If any of you have been to the river before, you know sometimes I can be a funny guy. I don't have jokes for you tonight. I really don't. I want to get down to business tonight. Can we do that? Can we get down to business tonight in the Word of God? Yeah, can we do that? Okay. That was decent. It was actually pretty terrible. But I'm going to do it anyway, whether you want it or not. Um, What I'm going to tell you about tonight is the greatest story of all time. The most unfair exchange ever to happen. My constant transgressions and sin and falling and shortcoming for the only begotten son dying on the cross. That's the story that I want to tell you tonight. And you might go, Pastor, I've heard that. Listen up because I'm going to tell you the story and then I'm going to tell you what it really, really means to you and what it really means to me. So let me paint the picture for you of Easter week. Today is Tuesday. It's called Holy Tuesday. There's something significant that happened today. Last Sunday was Palm Sunday. Who was in church last Sunday? This isn't judgment time. Let me just see your hands. Yeah. So you heard about Palm Sunday. Today is Holy Tuesday, but let me just paint this picture for you. It's been 33 years now since Christ was born. This event of Christ being born is the most significant event ever happened to, in human history. You call today 2023 AD, Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. 
the very year that you say today is, is marked by his life and his existence and what he did for you and did for me. Whether society wants to acknowledge him or not, every time you talk about a date, you're talking about our God. It's the event that split time in two. And now this, this week, Easter week, humanity for the first and only time has the Son of God dwelling in the flesh amongst us. Jesus Christ is his name. And it's the most exciting time in history. Miracles are happening everywhere. People are getting healed. People are being resurrected. It's an unbelievable time, but there's still one problem. The scales of eternal justice, my friends, are not balanced. God is a just God and you wouldn't have him other way, any other way, but there is a problem. The scales are not balanced. And today, on Holy Tuesday, we call it a Holy Tuesday, but a terrible thing happened today. Today, there's a man named Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples. He would approach this group called the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, as you may know them, and he would make a bargain to them. He would trade Christ, your Savior, Christ, his rabbi, his teacher, for 30 pieces of coin. This is the coin, a shekel of Tyre from the time of Christ. He would trade your Christ for this coin, an ultimate betrayal, the ultimate betrayal, but a necessary one. Because see, we still owed a debt, a debt that we could never pay. We needed a savior. We were lost. We were drowning. We were treading water, just trying to do it on our own by the law. And we fell short and we would still fall short if not for this event. But thank God, Jehovah Jireh. Anyone here tonight want to thank God, Jehovah Jireh? Thank God there is more to the story. And because of that, there's more to your story. See, when he created you, humanity in the garden, he gave you this thing called free will. Why? Because he wanted relationship with you. You can't have a relationship with someone who's forced to be with you. But when he did that, he knew that there would be a price to pay, and that price to pay was called sin. Sin would enter humanity. He knew that that injustice that started in the Garden of Eden on a tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, would this Friday, this good Friday, end on a tree on a mount called Calvary. It started on a tree and it ended on a wooden cross on a tree. That Friday, the ultimate sacrifice would be made. The worst betrayal in human history. We as humanity would whip and beat and mock the very one who came to save us. We would mock him as he went up the Via De La Rosa. The perfect lamb, the only one who lived without sin, would hang on a cross like a criminal and die the most painful death that you could possibly imagine. And my friends, the devil, that dark day, that Friday that was not yet good, he thought that he claimed the ultimate victory. But with one final breath, from John chapter 1930 is how we know it today. Sour wine would touch his lips, which would fulfill one last prophecy from Psalm 69. It would touch his lips, and he would utter three words that would change everything forever for you and for me. He would say, it is finished. Come on, it is finished. 
And the result, the result of that is that sin now would be forever diminished. With three words, he fulfills 300 prophecies foretold in the Old Testament with just three simple words. And the weight and burden of sin would no longer be around your neck for you to carry alone, but it would be paid by the remission from the blood of him on the cross for you and for me. It's an amazing sacrifice that he did. God's own sacrifice God's own son sacrificed for, for you and for me. I want you to think about that for a moment because I think in Easter we like to just go by it like it's another mark on the calendar. The one who knows the very worst about you, every bad thing you have ever done, every bad thought that you have ever had or ever will have paid the very highest price for you. That's an incredible dichotomy. It would be easy for someone to pay a price for you when you're good to them, but he knows the very worst about you and he chose you anyway on Good Friday. But see, it's only called Good Friday because today, sitting here, you have the Bible and you know about Sunday. The next two days would be the darkest days in all of human history. Uh, you would have bold disciples like Peter who had enough faith to come out and walk on water, you would have men like him denying that they even knew Christ. You would have weeping from great women of faith like Mary and Mary Magdalene. You would have sorrow. You would have confusion. There was depression all around. God, this is not what was supposed to happen. Day one, day two, same story. This is not what was supposed to happen, God. But thank God today, you and I, we know the rest of the story. Amen? We know the rest of the story, that there was more to this story. We know that though their weeping may have endured for a couple nights, there was joy coming in the morning. One specific morning that you will remember this Sunday. Matthew chapter 28 said this, After the Sabbath at dawn, that's morning, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid that they shook and became like dead men. The angel of the Lord said, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. And then the next three most significant words ever spoken in history would be said. First, the angel would say, he is not here for he is risen. This tomb is empty. Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? He is risen. And why, why am I telling you this? Why does that matter? Because if God just if God's son, Jesus Christ, just died on the cross, then he would not just be a good man like the world likes to call him, like other religions like to call him a good man, a good teacher, a good prophet. No, no, no. If he just died on the cross and never rose again, he would be a liar. He would be a hypocrite. For he told them in Matthew 16, 21, he said, I will die and rise again, rise again on the third day. If he didn't rise again, he would just be another false prophet and another liar. But thank God, you know that he did rise again. You know that he, that tomb, that stone rolled and he still lives. You know that. He did not just die. 
And while the devil and his demons were partying down in heaven, thinking that they had defeated God and his son, he snuck down into hell, grabbed the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and defeated it forevermore. Y'all, death did not defeat Christ. Christ defeated death. That's something you should get excited about. That's the reason why you're here tonight. That's the reason. And he defeated death not by might, not by force, not by politics, not by weapons. He defeated death by love, by the greatest act of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Y'all, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. I, knew you, I know you knew verse 16, but it's worth reading 17 and 18 too. And it's very interesting to see that he did not come to condemn us. Guess what? We already did that on our own. We are very good at condemning. We are good at condemning ourselves. You know what else we're good at? We're very good at condemning others. Some of us got a PhD in condemnation of other people. You know what I'm saying? We are very, very good at that. But he did not come to condemn us. He came to set us free. It's, this is a story of freedom, not a story of rules and laws. It's a story of freedom. He died on the cross that we would, so that we would no longer be captive in our own sin prison. Because that's where we were before he died there. He came so that we shall not perish. Guys, this is the story of what Christ has done. The outcome is victory and God won. That's the story. That's the story. But wait, I'm not just going to leave you with that. We're going to go back to worship in a, in, a, in a few moments. But I can't just leave you with the story because I know that you've heard it. I can't just leave it with you there. I have this fear that maybe you, like me, have gotten to a place in your life where Easter comes around, it's another year, you checkmark Good Friday service, you checkmark Sunday service. You guys, I mean, you're Tuesday, you're three times a week this week, you're very Christian, good for you, you know what I'm saying? You checkmark that one that's three times a week, and, and it's good, it's good to go to church. It's good to remember what he did, to respect what he did for us. But tonight I have a prayer that you would go one step farther than just to remember. Because I just told you the story. I refreshed your memory. I want you to go one step farther. What would be so much better than to just remember what he did would be to actually accept what he did. To actually accept it. And some of you are going, yeah, 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 young preacher, whatever you're saying. I've accepted Christ a long time ago. I don't need that. Hold on, listen to me for a minute. It is not easy to accept that God's only begotten son would get up on a cross, have nails driven through his hands and his feet, and die a death of humiliation, asphyxiation, and suffocation because you messed up and I did too. That's not easy to accept. It's easy to accept the grace, but to accept that you and I put them there, that's not easy to accept. But if you do accept that, here's the thing, you then will have no choice but to reciprocate that kind of love. You know what I'm saying? To love him back. If someone dies for you like that, you can't 
ignore them. You have to love them back. See, to actually accept the price that was paid for you is not easy. Because then you got to love God. Then you got to love others. Then you got to be generous. Then you have to not just call him Savior at Easter. You have to call him Lord 364 other days of the year. Yeah. This is some hard preaching. I don't know what you thought you were coming to. But to actually accept it is not easy. God did not need Jesus to die. I did. God did not need Christ to get up on that cross. I, Ryan McVitie, needed him to do it. Because I sinned and I fell short of the glory. I put him there. I messed up. And guess what? He did it for me anyway. So you know what that tells me and what I hope it will tell you tonight? And this is really what I came to tell you. What does it tell you that he would do do that anyway? It tells you this. It tells you just how much you are worth. It tells you just how much you, not the corporate church, not, not the body of Christ, how much you are worth to him. And I don't want you to miss that tonight. So the title of this message that I'm bringing to you is what's it worth? What's it worth? Would you choose a neighbor, the one whom you love? Come on, I'm watching. Married people be real smart right now. Dating people be real smart right now. Choose a neighbor. I'm looking. Come on, eye contact. This is interactive preaching now. The story time's done. The one whom you love. You got him? The one whom you love. Say, what's it worth? Say it better. Say it better like you really want to know the answer. What's it worth? Yeah. See, that's an important question. What's it worth? What are you worth? That's a, that's a better question. That's an important question. Because let me tell you this. Hear me if you don't hear anything else I say today. You will always behave in a manner that is consistent with what you believe you are worth. You will always believe in a manner that is consistent with what you believe you are worth. Ladies, put your hand up. Ladies in the house, come on, put them up. Y'all are the stronger gender. I just, I've confessed that many years. I saw my wife birth a baby and I'm like, uh-uh, they, they better than us. No doubt about it. Couldn't do it. Ladies, hear me for a second. If you think that you are crap, you will just keep dating crap. You hear what I'm saying? If you think you are crap, you will just keep dating crap. You will always behave in a manner consistent with what you think you are worth. So why is this preacher going on and on about how much you're worth? Because it is very, very important for you to know how much you are worth. If you believe that your existence was an accident, guess what? You will live your life like an accident. But if you believe that you were created with a plan and a purpose, you will live your life according to a plan for a higher purpose from a God who loves you. What you believe about yourself is important. How much your worth is important. And look, the devil, oh man, the devil loves to tell you lies. You'll never be enough. Who do you think you are? You're not qualified to do that job. You're not qualified to raise those kids. Who do you think you are? You'll never be enough. Um, how about this one? You're too broken. You have too much of a past. You're too old. You can't start that. You know how old you are? Look at the river, how young those people are. You're so old. You can't do that. Well, let me tell you something about the devil. You ready? 
The devil is a liar. Come on. You can get rowdy up in here. Your pastor's not here. This isn't Sunday. I won't tell him. The devil is a liar. You know what I'm saying? And look, I'm glad that you cheered about that because it's true. In fact, the word of God says that his native language is to lie. It's the only thing he knows how to do. But wait, let's put some deductive reasoning on it right now. If the only thing the devil knows how to do is lie, when he tells you that you're not qualified, what does that mean? He's a liar. It means you are qualified. When he tells you you're too old, what does it mean? It means that God is just getting started with you. Come on. Next time the devil speaks a lie into your life, praise the Lord about it. When he says you're never going to make it, that means you're making it. You can take it to the bank. He's a liar. It's all he knows how to do. Whoever thought you'd be thankful for a lie from the devil? The devil's a liar. The devil's a liar. See, the question of what you're worth is of the utmost importance. But to answer it, you got to look at how you determine your worth. Because in 2023, the way we determine worth is pretty interesting. I think the number one way that we determine worth in 2023 is from this thing called popularity. Popularity. How many followers she got? How many followers does he have? Does he have a blue check mark? Oh, you got a blue check mark? I got to be friends with you. That's, that's a real way that we measure worth in 2023. That's become the gold standard of it. But let me tell you something. Nothing, my friends, is more fickle than popularity. It's Easter, so let me get back to that story. Jesus Christ on Palm Sunday comes into the city, and he is met with Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. God save us. Palm branches, parties, come on in, Jesus. We love you. The great rabbi is here. Four days later, those same people would chant, kill him, kill him, kill him. In four days. Popularity is fickle. If you find your worth in popularity... Look, there are some Christians that think, if I can just be more like Christ, then everyone will like me. If I can just be more Christ-like, then everyone's going to love me and like me. Do you know what they did to Christ? They killed him. If you become more like him, what do you think is going to happen to you? I'm not saying you're going to get killed, but they lied about him. They, 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 they talked bad about him. They schemed against him. They mocked him. When that's happening to you, you better start rejoicing. You are Christ-like. Come on. We got it twisted thinking if we're going to be more Christ-like, everybody's going to like us. That's just simply not the truth. Okay, so it's not popularity. We're getting near the end. We got more worship. If it's not popularity, then what is it? Here would be a good logical one for all my logical people in here. I, I, I like to think I'm a logical person. Maybe your worth is based off your condition. The condition of your life, the condition of your current circumstances. Um... I had a grandfather, an amazing grandfather, who's with the Lord now. He passed away. My mom's dad. Uh, he was an immigrant from Northern Ireland. Any Irish people in here? Yeah? You're sober and in church. That's a miracle. God is still working every day. That's good. Um, he was very sober. He was a church man. He was an amazing man of God. He taught me so much. He did amazing things with his life. He dropped out of school in third grade, came from a very poor family, six siblings, uh, dropped out of school to, be a, uh, to do child labor, to be a potato farmer, very stereotypical, in, in Ireland. 
Um, and then he came here and he became a very successful businessman. He raised a beautiful daughter and son, one of which is my mama right here. I'm very thankful that he did that or I wouldn't be here right now. That's right. And he taught me so many amazing things in my life. But there was one thing about him. Just one thing. He was so cheap. I mean, this man gave cheap like a whole new definition. My parents are great ministers and they traveled, used to travel around the world doing ministry. They still do. And, and when they would take me, they did. But sometimes they couldn't take me and they would leave me with my grandfather and my grandmother. And my grandfather was that kind of guy that was like, son, you will eat every single morsel of food that is on that plate before you get up. You know what I'm talking about? You had a mom that was like that or a grandma. You should be grateful. Do you know what starving children in Africa would do for that food? Right? You heard that? Okay. I heard that a lot. And it didn't matter. Like he didn't ask you what he was going to cook. And his favorite dish, oh, good Lord. I don't know why I'm telling you this story. It's traumatic. His favorite dish, I would walk in the house as a kid and the smell would just hit me like a fresh wind, but it wasn't fresh. It was not the Holy Spirit. It was the opposite. He would buy expired fish from the supermarket. You know why? Because it's cheap. Oh, it's a best before date. It doesn't really, you know. Mom, am I telling a lie? I'm not telling a lie, right? Yeah. She, she said, it's just a little expired. She said, she's defending her dad. It was not a little expired. It was very expired. And he would force me to eat it. It was a whole other level of cheap. But then, as I grew older, I learned that my grandfather actually was not cheap. And I need to say this because I haven't worked on my theology enough to know if he can hear me right now or not. I'm still working on that right now, and I really love the man. Um, but it's the truth. What, what, I, what I realized is that he actually wasn't cheap. He was frugal so that he could be generous. And he was a very, very generous man. He said, I can eat the expired fish if it lets me provide more for my family. If it lets me give more back to God. If it lets me leave an inheritance to the ones that I love. That was the type of thought process that he had. And he taught me so much. He taught me, he taught me, he taught me one thing. This is crazy. He was like 20 minutes early for everything. Where are my early people at? Who gets here early? Y'all are psychotic people. I don't know how you do it. I don't get early to anything. Um, he was early. If you weren't there 20 minutes, you were early, you were late. Um, he had this saying, though, that has stuck with me. He said, Ryan, when you are late, you are choosing to value your own time more than the time of the person that you are meeting. Shots fired. Stayed with me 20 years later. He, he taught me that, but he taught me something else. And I'm, getting, I'm going somewhere with this, I promise you. He taught me the value of money. He was cheap so he could be generous. He was frugal so he could be generous. He taught me the value of money. He taught me the value of this. Wow, that's amazing. I just wanted to do a test. You don't get people's attention any better than when you hold up a $100 bill. Some of y'all were playing Tetris on your phone, and it was like, woo! He's got 100 bucks in his hand. Maybe he's a prosperity gospel teacher, and he's going to give it to everybody. I'm not, and I'm broke, so I'm sorry. But he taught me to value money. And he did something so sweet as a grandfather. When I was maybe eight years old, he took me to the bank. He set up a savings account. He put it in my name. I didn't know you could do that as a child, but he did it. And every single year, he would give me one of these bad boys. 
a fresh, crisp, right from the bank, $100 bill. And when you're eight, nine, 10 years old, do you know how much money this is to you? I mean, I was planning what yacht I would buy by the time I was 16. I was like, do I want a yellow Ferrari or a red one? I don't know, yellow's kind of bright. Maybe I'll get red. See, it, it meant the world to me that he was so generous to give me $100. And he taught me that, you know, I had to put it in the savings account and then it would grow. There'd be this thing called interest. And then he taught me about dividends and it was like an economics 101. Now, learning, looking back in life, I've learned that interest sucks. And like a hundred bucks, 20 years later is like 104 bucks. <laughs> but nonetheless, the principle he taught me was good. And he would give me these, these bills and I would value them so much. Honestly, probably more than I should have, but I was a kid. I would value them so much. But one day I took the bill and I put it in my pocket of my jeans. And I got home and you know, I was a pretty bad kid, not gonna lie. My parents waited nine years to have their second child. So that's a testimony as to how bad I was. Um, she's here, she's great, Shannon. She's, they got it right on the second time. Um, I left them in my jeans and then I threw my jeans on the floor, 10 years old, like a 10 year old often does. I got a mom, why would I pick them up and put them in the laundry? And um, and my mom, being a great mom, she picked them up and she put them in the wash and she washed them for me and then she'd dry them and fold them. So, you know, I, I went to go find my $100 bill and I was like, oh dear Lord, I lost my $100 bill. And then it clicked that I had left it in my jeans and mom, mom, where's my bill? So, oh, it, uh, what are you talking about? Where's my jeans? And she says, well, your jeans? Oh yeah, I washed those for you, son, because I'm such a good loving mom. You're what? A good loving mom? You washed my $100 bill and put it through the laundry? I ran, I got my jeans, I pulled the bill out, and my friends, the bill no longer looked this, like this. It looked, I mean, it was, it looked terrible. Money's plastic now, so this analogy doesn't quite work. It was paper back then, but it looked a lot worse than this. This looks bad, it looked really bad. My heart was crushed. I was like, Mom, I'm never gonna go to college now. I'm not going to have a car. You've ruined my wealth, my generational wealth that I was going to give to my kids. It's all gone. She had a very dramatic 10-year-old kid. Kim has a nine-year-old son. He's way better than that. Um, and and I, was, I was inconsolable. I was mad. And she said, don't worry, don't worry. We're going to take you to the bank and we're going to fix this. And we got to the bank. I'll make this story quicker. I'm talking a lot. We got to the bank and we get to this sweet old lady. You know, bank tellers are always so old. I don't know why. She, she's really old. And and I'm just furious and mom takes me up there and, and, and we just give her the $100 bill and I have no hopes. I'm like, it's probably worthless now. It's got tears and it's got folds and it's all crumpled up. And then that sweet old bank teller, she looked at me and she said, no problem, Ryan. It's still worth a hundred bucks. What? Have you seen how it looks? How, what type of condition it's in? And she said something that day that has stuck with me ever since. She said, it doesn't matter what condition it's in. She said, so long as it has the mark of its creator on it, it's of the same worth. Come on, punch your neighbor on the shoulder that didn't get that. Okay, only if they didn't get it. Some of y'all are abusing people. She said... If it has the mark of its creator, it's of the same worth. She said, Ryan, that bill doesn't find its worth in its paper. It finds its worth in the one who made it. Ooh, preach, bank lady. Preach, old lady, with your sweet gray hair. She's still preaching to me today. 
she was telling me that the worth is not found in the condition, y'all. It's not found in the paper, it's found in the maker. Your worth is not found in your skin and bones, it is found in the one who breathed life into your skin and your bones. That is your worth, that is what you are worth. But we've been running around in 2023 measuring our worth by our wrinkles, by our tears. I can't tear it as plastic. I tried. Bad analogy. Our tears, you know those things in your life that just tore you apart and you can't get past them and you say, that's what I'm worth, what he did to me when I was a kid, what she did to me when I was a teenager, how I fell short time and time again. That's what I'm worth. That's my condition. That is not what you're worth. You are worth what your Savior says you are worth. You need to know that tonight. We've been going around judging our worth by our wrinkles, by our tears, by our folds. Look, some of us, we got dad bods now, and we got folds. You know, you didn't used to have folds, but now you got them. I got a son who's 11 months, and he's a tank. He's 25 pounds, and when I clean his chin, he's got like seven folds. And I got to get all up in there to get the food out of his chin. You know, some of us, we got folds, and we think our worth is in our folds. Your worth is not in your skin and bones. It's in the one who breathed into them. That's what you are worth. Y'all, you have been marked by your creator. The mark on this bill is two serial numbers. The mark on your life is that you were created in the image of God. Male and female with worth, with human dignity, and with rights. That is your worth, and he proved it up there on that cross. Y'all, this bill, this plastic is not worth $100. The way currency works is it has to be backed by something. Once upon a time, once upon a time, this bill was backed by gold. The government had to keep enough gold in its safes and its, in its banks to back its bills. That changed because they needed more money. And then it went to your GDP of your country. So it went based on you. They said, well, we got 36 million people. Each person's worth this much to our economy so we can print more money. Now I think it's just based off maple syrup, to be honest with you. Like based on how much maple syrup we got, we can just print more money. See, a bill is backed by something. You are backed by something, and it's called the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what you're backed by. And that's better. That's more precious than rubies or gold or diamonds. That's what the Holy Scripture says. But so many of us have been living our lives judging our worth based on our condition, based on how successful we are, based on how together we've got it. Um, maybe you, those of you who are Christians, you base it on how righteous you are, how good you're living right now. You know what the book of Isaiah says about your righteousness? That it's like stinking filthy rags. That's what it says about your righteousness. Look, I'm not saying it's bad to be righteous. Of course, it's good to be righteous, but it's not what you're worth. Your worth is not found in that. I want to show you what you're worth. Stephen, can I give you that? Thank you. I want it back later. That wasn't like a gift. I need it back, to be honest. I got a mortgage. It's a big mortgage. Interest, interest rates are going up. Some of y'all relate. I want to show you what you're worth. Because some of you have been thinking that you're worth your portfolio. You open your online banking, how much am I worth? Some of you have been thinking that you're worth your titles. Am I a vice president? Am I a CEO? Or am I a janitor? I'm a janitor. I'm worthless. So what, what am I worth? See, you've been looking everywhere to figure out what your worth is. You've been looking left. You've been looking right. You've been looking forward. You've been looking back. But you haven't been looking to one place, the one true determiner of what you are worth. And it's right up there. It's the cross. 
That's what you're worth. And it's not the little trick here, the LED lighting and the stage rigging. No, no, no. That's, that's not it. That's not what you're worth. It's the price that was paid on that thing. God's only begotten son for you. That's what you're worth. He is what you're worth. That is what you are worth, and that's the real story of Easter. But we judge people by their condition. We judge ourselves by our condition. Worth and value are not based on condition. This is my last point. Worth and value are not based on condition. Worth and value is based upon the price paid. That's how you determine real and true worth. You look at the housing market, you want to determine how much a house is worth. What does a realtor do? They say, let's look at the comps. Let's look at the comparables. Let's see what was actually paid for each house. Not what it was listed for, but what was actually paid for it. Price paid is the truest indicator of worth. That's economics 101 for you, right? And in 2023, we've been assigning worth to all the wrong things. Show me in heaven what your 1 million followers is worth. Show me what's that worth if you're not using your platform for him. We've been, we've been assigning worth to all the wrong things, but y'all, 1 Corinthians chapter, says, chapter 6 says that you are not your own. You were bought with a price. You were bought with a price. That's what it's worth. That's the price that was paid for you. That cross right there. The Son of God, and it's worth more than a billion billion. So the last thing I want to get to you tonight before we go back to worship is that there is someone in this room tonight, and it probably includes me, because when I point at you, I got three fingers pointing back at me. There is someone in this room tonight, the price paid for you was a billion billion. It's more than any currency Russia and China and India could cook up together or anything like that. The price paid for you was a billion billion, but you've been living life like you're worth a penny. I'm not condemning you. I'm not saying you're worth a penny. I'm saying that you have assigned that worth to you. And remember what I told you at the beginning of this sermon. You will always behave in a manner that is consistent with what you think you are worth. The price paid for you was too stinking much for you to go running around acting like you're worth a penny. The price paid was too high. He didn't die for that. That is not the it he died for. In fact, he didn't die for it. He didn't die for sin. He didn't die to fulfill a prophecy or a plan. He died for you. So let's change this title, not what it's worth. What am I worth? That's the real title tonight. What am I worth? You are worth the most precious commodity of all time. It's time to stop acting and living life like you're worth a penny. It's time to stop that. It's time to, to act like you like the price that was paid was great. Because guys, the price that was paid was too great. It was too big. It was too great for you to stay where you're at. I don't want you to leave here tonight going, man, that was just another great worship night and the voices were so amazing and the worship was so good or, or the pastor was funny or I really didn't like that pastor. I, I don't know what your opinion is, but that's not what I want you to leave. I want you to leave tonight knowing the price that was paid for you. And imagine how offensive it is to God when he gave everything, he bankrupted heaven, his only son. Who's a parent in this room? Put your hand up. Would you give anything for your kid? Would you jump in front of that bus without even thinking for that kid? Yeah, that's how much he loved Jesus Christ and he gave him up for you. I'm saying it so many different ways because I want to get it through to you. Jesus 
is worth so much, and he gave up. He, Christ, God gave him up for you. And, and Judas, it's the last thing. Judas said this. Judas said Christ is worth 30 of these coins. God said you are worth Christ. Judas said you're, that Jesus is worth 30 of these coins. God said that you are worth his most prized possession, heaven's most prized possession. That's what you're worth. Would you stand to your feet? Because we're going to go back to worship as this team comes out. Jonathan, you can play those anointed keys, please. Guys, what I've been trying to say to you this whole time is that we are not worthy, but he still says we're worth it. We are not worthy, but he still says we are worth it. And he got up on that cross for you. The most incredible act of love of all time. And an incredible act must surely come with an incredible ask. So what is that quid pro quo? What is that thing that he asks back from you for that ultimate love? It is incredible, but it's also pretty simple. It's this thing called belief. That is the only thing he asks from you in return for that act of love, is belief. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Your belief will change everything. Good Friday, before those last three words, it is finished, there's one more thing that happened. There was this man, a thief on the cross. You know about him? He believed in his last breaths that Jesus Christ was who he said he was. He didn't get baptized. He didn't take communion. He didn't have a priest bless him. And you know what Jesus Christ said to him? He said, verily, I say this, you shall be with me today in paradise. We're all thieves. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We're all thieves. But you can do the same tonight. Baptism, communion, all those things are great. Those will come. You got to do those. I'm not speaking against them. But what he is after tonight is your belief. He just wants you to actually accept that he said that he is who he says he is. And that you are worth the price that he paid for you. Acknowledge that tonight, please. Because you will leave this place living like a different person when you accept just how much you are worth. Friends, we're going to worship again now, but please don't ever forget. He said that you are worth it. I'm not worthy, but he still said I'm worth it. And the only thing he asks in exchange is something that you can do right now in this moment is to hail him as King Jesus. To acknowledge that he is the Savior of the world. But not just the Savior, he is also the Lord. And we're not going to run around acting like he's only the Savior. He's also the Lord. The Lord of heaven and the Lord of earth.